0: Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. So as she mentioned, this is our final day of The More You Know. Uh, It's been a great series so far. And uh, what we've been trying to do is this idea, if it is your new, here's how it came up. We've been talking about this idea that in ministry, people come up to us and they say, hey, John, you know, I've been a Christian for X amount of days, months, years, whatever the case may be, and I'm trying to figure this all out, but I got a couple of questions. There's just some things that I don't get. There's some, some concepts that are confusing. Can you help me learn just a little bit more about these things? It's actually a great question, because I believe that at some point in your life, someone is going to come to you, and they're going to say, hey, tell me about your faith. What do you personally believe? And very rarely are they looking to just find out about Christianity at large, but they want to say, you know, as my friend, as my family member, as a co-worker, what is your take on all of this stuff. And our hope is over the last couple of weeks that you've learned enough about it so that when they ask you, you'll be prepared to answer them. That you can speak on any number of topics. Like the first week we talked about, you know, whether the Bible was reliable. We talked about creation. We spent time talking about Satan, who he is, all this kind of stuff. Because these are major topics that we all wonder about. Things we're looking to learn more about. So as we wrap up today, the topic that I want to talk to you about is a question that we all struggle with. And I think it's a question that keeps people from having a real relationship with God. I think it actually keeps people away from Jesus sometimes. I think it it actually, I think it plagues everyone. I think even if you've been a Christian for your entire life, this question, this topic, just really kind of gets under your skin and it's something that we just never really fully understand. As we end this series, we have to talk about why does God allow bad things to happen? If he's a good God, if he's all-loving, all-powerful, why does he allow bad things to happen? Can he stop it? Can he prevent it? Why do we have to go through these kind of things? I would, someone asked before the service, hey, what are we talking about today? And I said this, and she goes, oh, gosh, that one. It's a big one. It's a big meatball that we all have to struggle with. Now, I just want to be honest with you. Before we kind of continue, because I'm sure some of you have heard a message like this before, specifically if you've kind of grown up in the church, let me just be really honest with you. When we're attempting to answer the question, why does God allow bad things to happen, one of the things that I just want to be clear with you is that there is no answer that is emotionally satisfying. You never walk away from a message like this. You never open up your scriptures. You never read the words of Jesus and we're talking about why bad things happen and go, hey, you know what? I feel great. I'm pumped. I'm happy I have cancer. That's, just not, that's not a reality. But what you can learn from the scriptures and what you can learn from Jesus and what my hope is after a message like this today, that when times do get tough, you have a framework to use, a framework to help you work through these tough times, not to get you out, but to help you get through them. That's what Scripture promises us. So the question is, why are we doing this topic last? Why are we doing this topic last? Um, Someone asked me, you know, shouldn't this be maybe last week? Shouldn't you end with heaven, all this kind of a thing? Well, the truth is this. In order to fully understand this, And to fully understand this, you have to understand all the topics that we've talked about so far in this series. You have to understand about creation. Hold on one second. The confidence monitor is one off, Sarah. You're going to go back one. Go back one for me. Sorry about that, guys. I can't see what you've seen unless it's here. Go back one so it matches this. So in order to fully understand why bad things happen, you have to understand that when God and Jesus created this world, they created it to be perfect. They created that so there was no illness and disease, so that man and woman would live in perfect harmony with God. You have to understand about the fall, this idea that man and woman disobeyed God, bringing sin into this world, changing everything. It's hard to grasp that the reason that bad things are happening in this world is not because of God, it's because of the decision of man. You have to understand who Satan is, that he's a real person or identity or creature, however you want to describe him. And what his goals are for your life and this world. And you have to understand who Jesus is. Why he came to this world. What the scripture says about him and what he's looking to do in your life. And lastly, as we talked about last week, you have to understand about heaven. And what the Lord Jesus and God are looking to do in the world to come. So today I want to talk about a story that perhaps many of you have heard. Very famous story, and it takes place in the Gospel of John. It's almost the entire chapter 11. I'm going to pull out most of it, but I am going to forget some things because it's some extra detail. But I would encourage you, if you have time, to go back and to read it for yourself. But let's kind of dive into this this, uh, scripture for today. It says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Let's just stop and talk about this for one second. If you've been with us during this series, specifically, if you were here two messages ago when we were talking about whether or not Christianity is sexist, we talked about Mary Martha. We talked about this idea that Martha opened up her home to Jesus, asked him to come in, and he taught, and Mary, her sister, sat at his feet. And Jesus elevated women at every chance he could showed them that men and women were equal. And Mary learned at his feet what was very unusual for that time. And she was, for all intents and purposes, a disciple of Jesus. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, and all they said was this, Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. We know that Jesus was about a a day and a half away, and they, they sent a letter, and they said, the one you love is sick. And I just think that's interesting. That the relationship they had was so good, was so close, that all they had to say was, the one you love? And he knew. He knew it was Lazarus. He knew. So when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Look what he says here. He goes, no. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. See, what Jesus is doing here in this moment is he's referencing, for the second time in his life, a new category. A couple of chapters ago, it an interaction between Jesus and a man that was born blind. And Jesus healed him. And Jesus explained there, as he did now, that in life sometimes things happen to us. Events, bad events, that are occurring specifically so that God can be glorified and Jesus can be glorified. And that's what's happening here. He's saying, guys, you need to understand this whole thing with Lazarus, this whole thing with Mary and Martha, I'm just letting you know that this falls into this new category, this idea that in life bad things happen sometimes to bring me glory. Scripture says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he and his disciples dropped everything and ran to Bethany. Now, if you're following along in your own Bible, if you're looking online, you may be asking yourself, well, this looks a little different than what mine says. The reason this is different than what your Bible may say is because I actually made this up. This is not what the Bible says at all. This is what we wish the Bible would say. When we pray to God, when we send him a letter saying, Jesus, I need your help, we wish he would drop everything and run to us. But here's what John actually says. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And this is very important that John says this because I think he's saying like, hey, listen, listen, just so you know, before I continue, just so you're aware, Jesus actually loves these people because what he's about to do, may, you may think he doesn't, but just just see. Okay, so he loves them. Got that? All right. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, all right, now, let's go back to Judea. Think about this for a second from the perspective of Mary and Martha. These two women love Jesus. They know that he's God. They know that he's their savior. They look at him as a friend, as a family member, as a mentor, and they've prayed to him. They've sent him word, Jesus, we need your help. Lazarus is sick, can you come and help him? And I've got to imagine, they went around town and they said, you know, we sent word to Jesus. He's going to show up. We believe in Jesus. We've prayed to him. He's going to heal. We've seen him heal Jews. We've seen him heal Gentiles. We know he's going to show up and everything's going to be better. We are going to be fine. Everything is going to be good. We have prayed. He will answer. One day goes by. Two days go by. And he's not shown. Where is he? It's okay. We prayed. He's going to show up. It's not going to be a problem. Let me ask you a question. How many of us have ever prayed to God And he's been late to answer. You've prayed about a situation. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe you need a house. Maybe it's a health scare. And you prayed and you say, dear Jesus, I just need you to do X, Y, and Z for me. And you believed. And then he didn't show up. But you kept praying. And you asked your friends to pray. And you asked your church to pray. And you said, yeah, I've got this concern. But God's going to answer. We've prayed. And time goes by and he's not showing up. And your prayers start getting a little more frantic. God, I need need your help. God, where are you? I believe, where are you? Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? So when Jesus told his disciples that he wanted to go back to Judea, they looked at him and they said, but Rabbi, you know, a short while ago, the Jews there, they tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Basically what they're saying is, you know, if we go there, they're probably going to kill you. And they're probably going to kill us too. So we prefer not to go. If there's any way that we don't have to go, we'd like to skip this trip if that's possible. And Jesus answers them. And look at how Jesus responds to them. He says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? I'm sorry, Jesus, what was that? Are are there not 12 hours of daylight, he says. What's he talking about? And Jesus, we're talking about going to Judea and getting stoned. What what are you talking about this daylight? What, 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 What is this all about? He goes, anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? You've absolutely lost us. So here's the thing. Whenever you're reading the scripture and Jesus seems like he's coming at a left field with something, all of a sudden, whatever he's saying doesn't seem to make any sense at all. That's when you have to pay attention. Because in that moment and in this moment, Jesus is having a teachable lesson to these guys and he's saying all right listen guys here's the deal i am telling you and i have told you that i am the way that i am the truth and that i am the light and when i am here with you it is daylight all your questions i can answer them you will not stumble but there's coming a time when i am not going to be here and that time's coming up pretty quick and when i leave the light goes out and it's going to get dark And you might get confused, and you might begin to despair. But I'm asking you to come to Judea with me today. Because what I want to do there is I want to show you something. I want to give you a candle to use so that when I'm gone and things get dark, when you begin to despair, that you can look back on this moment and you can begin to have a little bit of clarity in the darkness about what is going on and how I am operating in your lives. So they leave. Before they leave, though, he says, are you going to join me? He goes, because our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. And I love the disciples. He goes, but, you know, Jesus, if he sleeps, he'll get better, right? Just let him sleep it off, right? That fever or whatever he's got, he's going to be, he'll be fine. This is the case I love. We always give medical advice to God. You know, God, if you can just do X, Y, and Z, all right, everything's going to be fine. If you can get me to this doctor and this medication, I'll be fine. Thank you, John. I appreciate the help. I know what's going on. But these guys are afraid. They don't want to go back. So he tells them plainly, all right, guys, listen, Lazarus is dead. I said he was sleeping. I was trying to be, you know, a little clever, but he's dead. And for your sake, listen to this. He goes, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Wow, Jesus. What are you saying? I mean, what is so important that you let those prayers go unanswered? What is so important that you are glad That you were not there? What is so important that you let this man die? What is so important that you let something bad happen to someone who is so good? What's going on there? For your sake, I am glad I was not there, he says, so that you may believe. So that you may believe. I mean, for the first time, Jesus is saying, guys, you need to understand that sometimes in this life, bad things happen to good people so that others who are watching you may believe in Jesus. This may be a tough pill to swallow, but as Christians, you need to understand that sometimes we got a big responsibility on our shoulders when we were going through the tough times because you have no idea how many people are watching you when the times get tough. They want to see how a Christian responds, and they want to see how and when his or her God will show up. And Jesus is saying, you need to understand that when times get tough, when you get confused, when it gets dark, people are watching. And it's happening so that others may believe. So they leave, and they take that day journey back. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. God was dead for four days. That lets us know that he probably died while that messenger was taking the letter to Jesus. Now, this four days, that's important. Because in Jewish culture, something you may not understand or know yet, is that in Jewish culture, they believed that the spirit hovered over the dead body for three days. That perhaps that spirit may reunite with that body. But once three days is over, once you're in the four days, that's over. That's it. All hope is lost. For Mary, for Martha, for their friends, they knew Lazarus was never coming back. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Why do you think that is? She was mad. I mean, she was mad at Jesus. You have to understand that they saw Jesus as a friend, as a family member, but but they saw him as God. And he failed them. I mean, they had prayed, they had sent word, they they had implored God to show up, and he didn't. And Lazarus died. And she's mad. But Martha goes out to see him. Lord, she said, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had just shown up, my brother would not have. How many of us have made this prayer? Dear Jesus, if you had just answered my prayer, if you had just come through, I wouldn't have lost a job. If you had just answered my prayers, my loved one would not have died. If you had just answered my prayers, my marriage wouldn't have fallen apart. You failed me. You failed me. And it's your fault. But in spite of all this, in spite of the confusion, in spite of the anger, in spite of death, she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Whatever you ask, he'll give it to you. I know it. I believe that. And Jesus looks at her and says, hey, you know what? Your brother will rise again. Your brother Lazarus will rise again. And look at her response. Look at how she responds to this. She goes, I know. I know. He will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I know. She's talking about heaven. But see, in this moment, she feels like Jesus is just quoting scripture at her. He's saying, hey, you know what? Your brother, he's going to rise again. I get it. I know. I know. How many of you have gone through something tough in life? Right now, maybe you're in the midst of the worst storm of your life. And some Christian, well-meaning Christian, by the way, comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? All things work together for good. Thank you very much. I'm aware of that's what the Scripture said. Thank you so It's almost like when you are in the worst of it, Scripture almost becomes offensive in a way. But this is true. But in that moment, you don't need Scripture quoted at you. You just need a hug. You just need someone to be there for you in the moment. In light of the truth of the Scripture, you just need, you just need compassion. You just need sympathy. And I think Jesus knows this. And he says to her, look, all right, listen. I am the resurrection. Me, with you, right here, right now. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he looks at her and he asks her a question. And I think he asks every single one of us this question. When times get dark, when storms get rough, when we're confused, I think he looks at us and he says, Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am who I say that I am? Do you believe that I am God? Even though I didn't show up when you thought I should show up. Even though I wasn't working on your timetable. Even though I didn't act in the way that you think God Should act. Do you believe this? Am I God? Am I who I say that I am? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into this world. She runs back. She gets her sister. She goes, Look, Mary, I know you're angry. I know you're confused, but Jesus is here. You got to go see him. Mary runs out. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell at his feet, and she said, It's almost the exact same conversation. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you? Ah, where were you? This is your fault. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Take me. Where have you laid him? And so they walk him over to the tomb, and I just imagine, you know, he's standing there, and he's got Martha on one side, and she's distraught, and Mary on the other, and she's just weeping, and all their friends are around, and they're wailing, and John tells us something amazing. He tells us that in that moment, Jesus wept. The God of this universe The creator of this universe, God Almighty, our Savior, the Messiah, in that moment, he wept. It's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Two words. But I believe these two words, this short sentence, is the most pregnant passage in all of Scripture that is filled with the most information about our God and how he operates and thinks about this world. Why is he weeping? What is going on in this moment? I think Jesus is weeping, number one, because he's angry at sin. You have to understand that this is not how he wanted this world to be. That when Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit created this world, like we talked about on week two, they created this world to be perfect with no death, with no sin, with no sadness, with no storms, where man and woman could live in perfect harmony forever with God on this earth. But man disobeyed God, brought sin into this world, and evil infiltrated every aspect of our life. And since the beginning of time, sin has been killing us. And in this moment, when Jesus stood there weeping with his friends, he stood hand in hand and face to face with the destructive power of sin and it destroyed him and it broke his heart and in that moment i think he also cried because he had a realization of his own mission you have to understand that he came to this world to make it all better he came to this world to die for our sins to conquer death and as he told mary as he told martha he is the resurrection but in order to be the resurrection he's got to die And he knew that in a week, maybe two, he would be on that cross. And as he looked at that stone rolled over that tomb, he saw his own grave. And we know that God is fully God. I mean, we know that Jesus is fully God, but we also know that he's fully man. And the scripture's clear. Jesus said, God, if there's any way that I can avoid that cross, if there's any way that I could avoid this painful death, Lord, make it so. But God said, it has to be this way. And Jesus said, Lord, your will, your will. Lastly, I believe that the reason Jesus wept that day is because he and the Father have true compassion and sympathy for us. As he looks down on our situation, as he did that day, you have to understand that they look at us and they go, I know you're angry. I know you're confused with us. I know you don't understand what's going on. I know you're hurt by sin. I know. I know. And I'm sorry. This is not what we wanted for your life. And we're sorry. It goes on. Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. He's just, I just imagine him, he's just overcome, just sobbing perhaps. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Take it away. Martha says, but Lord, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. And then Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I think in this moment, she steps back and she goes, yeah, I get it now. I think I see it now. I think the unanswered prayer I think the delay in your arrival. I think my brother died. I get it now. All of this is about you. Everything that has happened has happened so that you may be glorified, that you may be lifted up, and we can be drawn nearer to you. I understand that now. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, he goes on, so that they may believe that you sent me. See, what we're getting here is a, a little backstage appearance of what Jesus and God are saying to each other because they know what's going to happen. They know what's going to take place. And so Jesus is saying, hey, God, you know what? They're watching me right now, so we've got to make this prayer. We've got to do this prayer because you and I know what's going to happen. But I need them to know that whatever happens comes from you. So let's have this prayer so that when I do what I'm about to do, you're going to get the glory, not just me. Okay, are they done? Are they watching? All right, let's do this. All right, let's go. It's go time. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And the dead man came out, and his his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And then Jesus said, Take off the grave clothes, and let him go. I have to imagine he said this because people were probably just standing around going, oh, did, he just, did he just do what I think he did? Because that guy was dead four days and, now, and they're just standing. He goes, Take the, help the guy. Take the clothes off him. And I love the last line. It says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. I bet they did. Okay? I bet you would too if you saw a guy come back from the grave. I bet they did. See, what's so amazing with this is that all of this happened so that these people would believe. All of this was orchestrated, as painful as it may have been, so that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So why does God allow bad things to happen? Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we're just not privy to that information. We wish we were. We wish we knew it all, but sometimes we don't. But because of this story, because of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and what Jesus did that day 2,000 years ago, we do know a couple of things. We know that he can work miracles. Whatever's happening in your life, he can work a miracle. We do know, though, that sometimes he waits. We don't understand his timing We wish he worked on our timing, but sometimes he waits, and sometimes we wish he sped up a little bit more. But we do know that we can trust him in the meantime. While we wait, while we continue to pray, while we continue to seek him, we know that we can trust him in the meantime. Why? Because Jesus, in this story, makes every single one of us a promise that if you believe, you will see the glory of God no matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how angry you are or confused you are or troubled you are, if you hold tight to the promise that Jesus is who he claims to be, his promise is you'll get a glimpse of the glory of God in your situation. You will see God if you just hold on tight. So what's the practical? Every week at DHC, we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. I just want to reiterate that with a message like this, like I said in the very beginning, it's very rare to be emotionally satisfied. You don't walk away saying, "Ah, I feel great. But hopefully you walk away with a little bit of a better understanding about what is going on behind the scenes in your life and how God is operating and orchestrating events in your life as painful as they may be. But no matter what you're going through, because everybody's got their thing, and some of us are going through things right now, some of us have already come out the other side, some of us are getting ready to go into it, and we don't even know it. But I think we all go through three things, in our storms. I think we want sympathy. I think we want to know the purpose of it. Why did this happen? And I think we want restoration. We want it to be fixed. So in light of the story today, I would just say this. When it comes to sympathy, God knows your situation. And he feels your pain. We do not worship some far off God. The scripture says that the Messiah is going to come And we're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us right here, right now. Whatever you're going through, he's there. You may not feel him, but he's right alongside of you. And I believe, just as he did that day, I believe he weeps for us. When we weep, he weeps because he has such compassion and love for us, even in the worst of times. Now, in those bad times, even though we wish they would go away, there is a purpose for it. In this story, we learn that trials do bring glory to God. That in some way, in some fashion, in ways we may never know, God is using your story, even today, in this moment, to bring people that you might not even know to Jesus Christ. But the rest of the scripture is clear. Those bad times, those trials, they can also bring growth. Personal growth, spiritual growth. They can bring you nearer to the Lord. They can show you things about yourself that you never knew. One of my favorite lines in all of Scripture is a conversation Jesus has with one of his disciples, Simon. And he goes, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, he said. Basically, he's saying, Satan's asked to mess you up, to bring bad on you. But I've prayed for you. I'm praying for you. And when you come out the other side, go. Strengthen your brothers. Whatever you're going through right now, the Lord is praying for you. And you have an opportunity that when you come out the other side, you have an opportunity to minister to other people who are going through what you are going through right now. And that's a blessing out of something that has been so dark in your life. And lastly, And this is difficult to do, but I would encourage you that you need to hold tight to God's eternal perspective. What does that mean? You have to understand that God doesn't see life like we do. We just see now. Five feet ahead of us, that's it. God sees the past, the present, and the future. He knows, like we talked about last week in heaven, He knows what's to come. He knows what His plan is in the hereafter, and it is amazing. See, Paul promises us in Romans 8, 28 that everything, every single thing, does work together for good for for those who love the Lord. That's a promise. But the truth of that promise is that it doesn't always work together for good in this side of heaven. And that's the eternal perspective. Because God says that if you say yes to his son Jesus, one day you will be with Jesus in heaven and he will wipe away all the tears all the sadness all the death and everything will be made right as you walk through this life when times get tough that is where you need to keep your focus that is your anchor during the tough times times are going to get tough that's a promise but i firmly believe that if god brings you to it he will bring you through it that's a promise Look to him, and if you do, you will get a glimpse of the glory of God, even in the darkest of times. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, this is one of the most difficult topics that we have to struggle with in this life. And I just know that so many of us right now are going through something tough. I believe that perhaps many of us, like Martha and Mary, have cried out to you so that you would intervene in our situations, Lord. And and we've cried out, and we've cried out, and we've cried out, Lord. And it just seems like you're not hearing our prayers. God, I pray that today. That today is the day you say, let's go back to Judea. I pray that today is the day, Lord, that you show up in our lives, Lord. That today is the day that we feel you in a mighty and powerful way that the dark times begin to get light. Lord, that whatever someone is going through right now, I pray that they would feel your presence in a powerful way that they would fill your spirit in a powerful way, that your peace that you promised would come over us in a way that we can't even imagine, Lord. As the tide would turn, Lord, that you would bring us through this. Lord, I pray that whatever we're going through, as painful as it is, I pray that you would be glorified in it. I pray, Lord, that as painful as it is, it would be a growing experience for us. And that when it's over, Lord, we would come out better for it. And that hopefully, Lord, others will come to know you, Jesus, as their Savior because of it. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name.